There's a common way the biblical authors tell the story when a person is commissioned by God for a specific task. While these revelations are always unique to those who receive them, they all share a literary form found throughout the Bible and other ancient Near Eastern literature. And Luke uses this formula three times in Acts chapters 22 and 23. Welcome to episode 61, The Commissioning Formula. This is Greg Hall, and you have made it back for yet another episode of the Rethinking Scripture podcast. Thanks for listening in. I know it's busy. It's a busy time of year. We are in the middle of the Advent season. And so I wanted to give you just a little reminder, especially for those who maybe have started listening during this last year. Last December, I produced six short episodes. Those are episodes 28 through 33. And I put those out in the week leading up to Christmas. It's my Rethinking Advent series, where I looked into several aspects of the story of the birth of Jesus. And believe it or not, we've gotten a few things wrong. Those nativity sets you just pulled out of storage, they may need a new look. And it's in the last episode of that series where I present a new version of the Advent story, where I incorporated some new thoughts and corrected some errant thinking. At least that's what I hope I did. So I invite you to go back and revisit some of those episodes. It's a good way to rethink our approach to the season. Well, this week, we continue our walk through the book of Acts. We're getting close to the end of the series, and today we're looking at chapters 22 and 23. And what we will discover is the form of a message from the heavenly realm often fits into a prescribed formula that was common for their culture. And it's not just the Jewish culture. It's the ancient culture of their time that used this formula. To help unpack this formula for us, I'm going to be relying pretty heavily on an article written by Benjamin Hubbard from St. Jerome's College in the University of Waterloo. It was written back in 1977, and the title of the article is Commissioning Stories in Luke-Acts, a Study of Their Antecedents, Form, and Content. And it's in the introduction of the article that Hubbard says this, Studies of commissioning stories in the Hebrew Scriptures are in substantial agreement that many or all of the following elements are usually found. First, a circumstantial introduction. Second, confrontation between commissioner, usually the deity, and the commissioned. Third, a reaction to the holy presence, and that's only included sometimes. Fourth, the commission proper. Fifth, a protest to the commission, and that's only included sometimes. Sixth, reassurance by the deity, and these commissioning formulas conclude surprisingly, with a conclusion. (laughs) Hubbard says, in a survey of representative commissioning accounts from other Near Eastern literature, a similar pattern emerges and opens up the possibility that such texts have influenced the biblical material. However, most of the non-biblical commissionings happen in dreams. Most of the biblical ones 
do not. And he points out that Luke, under the influence of the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, Luke employs the commissioning format often, and it becomes a vehicle of his theology. In Acts, especially, where there are 12 of these narratives, they illustrate continuous divine guidance of the growing Christian community. So, breaking away from the introduction of Hubbard's article, we will eventually be looking at three examples of this form from Acts 22 and 23, when Jesus appears to Paul. But first, I want to give you a little background and context for these formulas. If you read the Bible at all, you're probably already subconsciously aware of this formula. Even though you may not know about it, you might already intuitively find these elements predictable and maybe even comforting. And I think that was probably true of the ancient readers as well. And as I said before, this form is not just a New Testament phenomenon. It's prevalent throughout the Old Testament. The first time we see it is with the commissioning of Abram and Sarai in Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 28 through chapter 12, verse 4. In that very well-known account, we find the introduction in verses 28 through 30 of chapter 11, and that's where we're introduced to Abram and Sarai. It's in that introduction that we find out Abram's father has died and that Sarai is barren. This is all introductory material within the formula. Then, in Genesis 12.1, we have, Now the Lord said to Abram, and before we get to what the Lord actually said, we need to just recognize that's the confrontation, the confrontation part of the formula. The Lord speaks to Abram. And that's directly followed by the commission part of the formula, which is go forth from your country and become a great nation through whom the whole world will be blessed. And then God slips a little reassurance part of the formula into his message to Abram by saying that he will either curse or bless those who interact with Abram based on how he is treated. In other words, God's got his six. Then the conclusion of the formula we find in Genesis 12, 4. And that's when the author tells how Abraham starts to carry out his new task. So that's the first time we actually see this formula in the biblical text. And in this first example, there's no reaction that Abram gives. There's a short reassurance element, but there's no reaction. And it's these two elements that are most commonly dropped from the formula when it's used. So that's the first example, but that's not it. There are a total of 27 such commissioning stories in the Old Testament, 16 of them in the law, the first five books, nine found in the prophets, and two in the writings. But is that where the literary style originated? It's the answer to that question that may surprise some of you. Exactly how and where did this commissioning formula originate? 
Well, according to Hubbard's article, most scholars recognize it was a common way to present material in all ancient Near Eastern literature. We have clear examples of this formula from Akkadian, Hittite, Egyptian, Ugaritic, and Babylonian texts. Hubbard gives a brief outline of 11 such examples in his article. And interestingly, they also most commonly leave out the reaction and the protest elements as well, just like we find in the Bible. And here's the kicker. (laughs) Many of these ancient Near Eastern examples, they predate the biblical text, which suggests that while the message of the Bible is unique, the authors definitely borrowed literary formulas from the culture of their day. And while some find this perspective threatens the integrity of the sacred text, that really isn't the case. It only makes sense that the authors of the text would communicate in a way that recipients of their day would understand. And a presentation of the truth is not limited by such adaptations. So, all of this is a lead-up to today's look into Acts chapters 22 and 23, where we find Luke used this formula three times. Now, remember, Luke wrote more words than any other author in the New Testament. He was probably a Gentile, and if so, he would have been in tune with the broader culture's literary forms. And it's Luke that uses the commissioning formula a lot within his writings. Let me just give you a brief survey. He follows the formula in these following stories. In the Gospel of Luke, he uses it in the announcement of John the Baptist's birth, the Annunciation to Mary, and the Angelophany to the Shepherds. Those are all found in Luke chapters 1 and 2. We also find it in the Christophany to the Disciples in Luke chapter 24. Then, switching to the book of Acts, we see this formula used by Luke in the Angelophany to the Apostles in chapter 5, and it's included in all three accounts of Paul's commission. First, we see that in chapter 9. That's the first account of Paul's road to Damascus experience. And the formula is used again when that story is retold in Acts 22 and 26. There's also the Christophany to Ananias in chapter 9, as well as the messages to both Cornelius and Peter in Acts 10. It's used for Paul's vision of the man of Macedonia in Acts 16, a Christophany to Paul in chapter 18, and Paul's angelophany during the voyage to Malta in Acts chapter 27. But it's in Acts chapters 22 and 23 where Luke includes three such commissioning formulas. Those are our chapters for today, and that's what we'll be looking into in the remainder of the episode. So as we delve into these two chapters, There are three times Luke uses the commissioning formula, and each time it's in an event concerning Paul. The first is in Acts 22, verses 6 through 11. 
And it's there where we find the second account of Paul's Damascus Road episode. So we discussed back in episode 53 that Luke shares the event of Paul's conversion three times in the book of Acts. The first in Acts chapter 9. This is the second one here in 22. And the third time is coming up in Acts 26. So there are three times that Luke tells the story of Paul's conversion. He uses the commissioning formula all three times, and today we're just going to look at the account here in Acts chapter 22. And to begin, I'll just read through the text, beginning in verse 6 through verse 11 of Acts 22. It says this, But it happened that as I was on my way, approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go to Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. So that's the biblical account. It uses the commissioning formulas. So let's go back through and just take a look at what elements we find in where they might be located. So obviously, we start with an introduction. That's in verse 6. And it's in that verse that we find that Saul is traveling to Damascus about noontime. Also in verse 6, though, is the confrontation. A very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. In the next verse, verse 7, we see the reaction to the confrontation. He falls to the ground. And then a confrontation that begins... Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And continues into the conversation that follows. By the way, something that Hubbard in his article points out, the double use of Saul's name, Saul, Saul, that's reminiscent of Theophanies in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 3, God calls out Moses, Moses, when he's at the burning bush. It's also found in 1 Samuel 3, when the Lord calls out to the young Samuel two times. So back in the account of Paul's conversion on Acts 22, we've seen the introduction, the confrontation, a short reaction, and then a further confrontation. And then in verse 10 is the commission. The actual reason we have the commission formula is the commission part of it, which in verse 10 is get up and go on to Damascus, and there you will be told all that has been appointed for you to do. And this commission is followed by a reaction, since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, and then the conclusion, Saul is led by the hand to Damascus. Hubbard points out that this version of the formula here in chapter 22 is nearly identical to the first account back in chapter 9. But even though the same formula is used, that doesn't mean the accounts are identical. I presented some of those differences back in episode 53, and those differences generally center around the description of what Paul saw and heard and what his traveling companions experienced. 
And so even though the same formula is used in both Acts 9 and 22, many scholars have recognized that there seems to be some differences in the telling of the two events, even though the same formula is used. And for some quick commentary on the differences between those two, I'd like to share just a little bit from an article by Charles Hendrick called Paul's Conversion and Call, a Comparative Analysis of the Three Reports in Acts. Hendrick says, in Acts 9-7, it's stated that the companions of Paul heard the voice but saw no one. In Acts 22-9, some English versions suggest that Paul's companions saw the light but did not hear the voice of the one speaking to Paul. Hendricks suggests for a solution, we may have to appeal to the well-known difference in classical Greek, well-known <laughs> to scholars, by the way, between the genitive and the accusative meanings of the words used here. So Hendricks concludes this way. In Acts 9, Luke means to say that those who were traveling with Paul heard the sound of a voice but they did not understand it. And with the different construction used in chapter 22, what's being negated in the sentence is not the hearing of what was spoken, but the understanding of what was heard. And if you remember in earlier episodes, I have suggested it's possible we have an unrecognized episode of the gifts of the Spirit here. I suspect what we have is God speaking in his heavenly language and specifically giving Paul the gift of interpretation to understand what he's saying. And the text describes Paul hearing it as if it was in his native Hebrew dialect. That would account for Saul hearing and understanding it, and his traveling companions hearing the voice, but not understanding what was being said. And if this weird, wacky theory sounds brand new to you, I have spent considerable time discussing this back in episodes 44, 46, and 53. So you can go back and revisit those episodes for more detail. And that will allow us in this episode to move on to the last two examples of the commissioning formulas that are used in Acts 22 and 23. So in Acts 22, verses 6 through 11, we just saw the commissioning formula employed by Luke in the retelling of the Damascus experience. And there are two more examples in these chapters. The next is Paul's temple Christophany. That's found in Acts 22, verses 17 through 21. And let me just read that right now. It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance, and I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing by, approving, and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, Go, 
for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And as we break away from the text, we recognize that while praying in the temple, Paul falls into a trance. That's the introduction part of the formula. Then he's confronted when he sees Jesus, the confrontation. He's commissioned to leave Jerusalem because his testimony will be unacceptable there. And then we see a very uncommon protest. Remember the protest, one of those elements that often drops out of the commissioning formula? Here, we get a very long protest by Paul, where he reasons that they might listen to him because he was once a persecutor of the church. And it's after that protest that the commission is repeated, in essence, get out of town. And in this example, unusual, there's no conclusion. And that's mostly because this is Paul recounting the Christophany. It's not the actual event happening. He's just recounting it, and he's interrupted by his audience in the next verse. So the conclusion is skipped. So just from these two examples from chapter 22, we see it's not just the information presented, the what of the story that's important. The form of the communication was a very important element in the telling of these commissions. They needed to fit a literary format to be best understood by the original readers. And that's what Luke provides. So the last example we'll look at today is in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. It's a Christophany during Paul's Jerusalem imprisonment. And for those of you that like solving easy puzzles, you're really going to like this one because the commissioning formula is abbreviated and it's crammed into just one verse. So let me start just by reading the verse and let's see how you do recognizing which parts of the formula Luke uses. You ready? Okay, here we go. Acts 23, 11. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. So <laughs> that's it. And I'm curious, how did you do? Let's run through it. Okay. Did you notice the introduction? That's where it said, but on the night immediately following. Very short introduction. What's next? It says the Lord stood at his side. What's that? It's the confrontation. Then Jesus says, take courage. And what's that? That's not a part of the commissioning quite yet. That's a rare reassurance. And then Jesus continues, For as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. And that's the commission. So, how'd you do? And let me just say this. The goal isn't to get everything in the analysis perfect. Really, the goal is, first, to recognize that the formula exists, and then to be able to recognize when it's employed in the text. It's kind of like seeing that man behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz. It can be fun to know a little more of the inner workings of the text by recognizing how the author put things together. 
Well, that's all the biblical examples of the commissioning formula I have for you today. But I do have a personal commission formula for all of you, my listeners, as we close out today's episode. Many of you might just want to keep to yourselves this Christmas season, but it's a great time for introverts everywhere to expand their borders. So here's my commission formula. This holiday season, that's my introduction. Let me close today by addressing each listener. That's a confrontation. You might say, well, Greg doesn't usually end his episodes this way. Reaction. I want you all to have a very Merry Christmas season and spread God's love to those around you. Commission. You might say, I don't want to have to talk to other people. I don't like that. Protest to the commission. But that's okay. Those you reach out to will be blessed by your comforting words. Reassurance. So the listeners finished the episode and went out and shared Christ's love with many around them. And sometimes they even recommended to one of their friends the Rethinking Scripture podcast. And that's the conclusion. <laughs>